0: Hey everyone, welcome back to The Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming this episode with guest number 18, Ty Hillenbrandt, co host and producer of the Solid Verbal podcast. Make sure you check us out at InfluencerEconomy.com. The Solid Verbal is a bi weekly football podcast that is hosted by Ty Hillenbrandt and his cohort, Dan Rubenstein. Ty joined me from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Vassala Verbal is one of the most successful independently run podcasts on the web. It's frequently featured within iTunes and has previously been a part of Bill Simmons' Grantland Podcast Network. Ty also describes what it's like to grow a strong community. And they actually have a phone number in which fans can reach them for game days on Saturdays. So I called in this weekend when I was in Nashville for the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game. And sadly, the Commodores lost, but they did play my, my call on the, on the air. So in general, this guy is, a, is an early adopter of podcast technology, and the brand they built is Loyal. It's on iTunes. Check them out at solidverbal.com. But they're, they're very early uh, pioneers in all podcasting. So if you love college football, which I do, this needs to be part of your rotation. And if you're generally interested in podcasts and launching a brand, I also recommend you listen to them because the format they pull off is phenomenal. So, want to remind everyone, if you're on iTunes right now, please subscribe, and feel free to leave us a five-star review if you would not mind. That helps with our discoverability in iTunes. And theinfluencereconomy.com has all the archives. So, check us out. Uh, listen to Bernie Burns of Rooster Teeth, Shiura Lazar of What's Trending, Flula the DJ who made my opening beats for the soundtrack, and many, many other guests. Excited that guest number 18 is Ty. So, without further ado, please welcome Ty Hillenbrand to the show. Hi, welcome to the show.
1: Ryan, thank you for having me. You're coming in all the way from uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, is that correct? Beautiful Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's got a song written about it by Billy Joel, even though it was supposed to be about Bethlehem instead. It just turns out Allentown fit better with his lyrics. And uh yes, here I am. How are you? You're all the way on the other side of the country? I am you? in Santa Monica, California. Oh my God, you're missing out
0: over here, man. I hate to tell you. I know when you get that fall and winter I'll be missing it I, uh,
1: It's what makes it all worth it
0: I, I uh, actually we is a good segue into the uh, the Houston Nuts story, and you definitely have had some memorable moments. Oh, yeah, with guests. so I'd love it if you could uh relive that moment for for you said potentially could be your one, one of your biggest more uh, memorable impacts for the show <laughs>
1: if, if this is our legacy <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: podcasters then I'm going to consider it a net victory for uh for Dan and I yeah I don't, <laughs> and you know what, gosh I don't even remember what year we had Houston Nut on but at the time Houston Nutt was um, head football coach down in the SEC and uh, we had Houston nutt on and we had done a lot of coach interviews this wasn't anything new for us we had started something at the time that We called the coaching carousel, and uh, we started with Jimbo Fisher, who at the time had just started with Florida State, obviously has been very successful at Florida State, just won a national championship last year. But uh, we had Houston Nutt on, and one of the things I noticed right away was that Houston Nutt was very short with his answers. Some guys like to talk, other guys are very concise. Houston Nutt was concise to the point of maybe being distracted. But I didn't think anything of it. Why would I? We were just excited to have a coach on. So we went through our post-production process after the interview, published the show, and a friend of mine who listened regularly, who still does, sent me an email saying, look, you gotta go back to this particular time code, let's say 30 minutes, you gotta go back to the 30 minute mark and listen to what may be going on in the background wherever Houston was talking to you from. So I did, and you can, you can hear it clear as that. You can hear it clear as day. Excuse me. There is a flush and the echo that Houston Nutt had behind him for like the first 10 minutes of the show (laughs) suddenly vanishes and it sounds as if he's in a normal room talking to us. That was our cue that Houston Nutt may have been on the toilet when we interviewed him way back when. And we did, we call it the audio forensics. Really, we just had a bunch of people listen. Uh, It seems to be pretty unanimous that that's when we caught Houston Nutt. And like I said, if that's our legacy, just having that story, that that to me feels like we've done something right in the uh, podcasting world. And I said this earlier
0: before the call. I mean, that, that, you're a hero, <laughs> at the very least.
1: I'm and, drinking, uh, juice. I nearly spit that out over the. <laughs> <board>. I, mean, <laughs> I act, maybe in somebody's book, but uh, yeah, it was. It makes for an interesting story. And for you, in general, like
0: I'd love to hear. You know, if you could introduce the solid verbal to the audience and. Talk about your background and starting it up, and it's a really an inspiring, independently created podcast that uh, I think a lot of people listen to that are college sports fans. But there's a lot to to digest just about how you run your uh, your business.
1: Yeah, so we started the Solid Verbal back in 2008. Myself, Ty Hildenbrandt, and my co-host Dan Rubenstein. At the time, both Dan and I were doing some work for SI.com. I was writing. Uh, On a freelance basis, uh, a weekly college football column, and Dan was doing more of the video variety, going to campuses, doing man on the street type interviews, and uh, he had gone up to Penn State for one of the games and interviewed some people outside the stadium, and so he
0: would would interview tailgaters and yeah,
1: tailgaters, uh, you know, all sorts of revelers outside in the in the parking lot.
0: Revelers is a very uh,
1: diplomatic way of saying just drunks. Is that Right, right? Right. No, I think. I think that's uh, the assumption here, uh, but Dan Dan did a great job with his video, and I figure, well, he's he's at the same website as as I am. Uh, I just want to send him a line and and tell him that I I really enjoyed the video, and over time that sort of turned into a friendship. And we I don't know if it was if it was him or if it was I. One of us came up with the idea of starting a podcast at that point. And it was an idea to me that was particularly attractive because I had done a lot of podcasting long before I ever did the college football show. I was doing a Yankees podcast. I had tried some other college football oriented shows on my own. And I had a tech background, so I had a pretty good idea for how all this needed to come together. So back in August of 2008, we came up with the name The Solid Verbal, which has a lot of overlap uh, with the recruiting game in college football and uh, started it up. Didn't really know where it was gonna go. Didn't really have a plan for it, Ryan. I'd be lying if I said we had a plan. We just tried to have fun talking about college football. And after our first season, saw incredible growth. And that was the point at which we knew things were were really starting to go in a positive direction and where we started planning, all right, this maybe could last for the long haul. Um, And so here we are, it's like six, seven years later. We're gonna be in our seventh full season in about three weeks and uh, the growth has not stopped. The downloads continue to go up, and I, I hope our production quality and the, the quality of our show continue to get better as well, but it's been an incredible ride.
0: I also wanted to talk to you guys about uh, you and Dan and uh, your guys' symbiotic relationship, but you, yes. you don't work in the same state, let alone, the, I guess you're in the same time zone? Is
1: we are in the know? same time zone. We didn't used to be because when we first started the show, Dan was based in LA, and I was still in Eastern PA. And uh, yeah, that was, we we eventually grew into a routine, and then Dan moved to New York, and we figured out a new one. It's definitely a little easier though, being in the same time zone for sure.
0: And how is it working remotely with him? And and then you did you were you a part of the SB Nation show? Was that you so, both? Or, I remember Dan was on when they launched their YouTube channel. I was at Machinima right when that happened.
1: Yeah, SB Nation at the time, and I my history is probably a little hazy here because I'm not a an SB Nation employee or you know affiliated directly with them, but they had a pretty large initiative, and it was part of the reason Dan came on board with SB Nation to launch a YouTube channel. Dan was one of the lead video anchors for that, and in the fall when it came time for college football, we had gone to SB Nation and said, "Look, we've got." We've got this show, it's a popular podcast. We'd love to try it in a video format. We don't know what it's gonna be, but we'd love to give it a shot. And so we did that for 14, 15 weeks of the college football season back in 2012. And uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't amounted to anything, at least not yet, more on the video front. But I think it was great for us to get that experience and it was just a lot of fun for us to really try the solid verbal in a different format. We, we had a ton of fun with that. Um, and now he continues his role with Espionation. Nation. He's very popular. He's very good at what he does. And it's... But you're more photogenic. Would you not agree? I'm more photogenic? Yeah. I mean... Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> you know, I, mean, he's, I will... He's I, getting all the
0: video views, you know?
1: Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, we're great in an audio-only format, <laughs> probably for a reason. Right. But, uh, look, our, our show has done really well. Dan's, at this point a great friend like a brother. Uh, we're very much on the same page with the kind of show we want to produce. We're always working behind the scenes through email, through Gchat, through text messaging to try and iron out the wrinkles of our production process just because we are co-located. We're always trying to get better. And uh, so, you know, from a, a just a pure person-to-person standpoint, Dan, Dan and I get along great. We work really hard to make the Solid Verbal as as best as it can be, and uh, we know there's some room for it to improve. There always is, but I think we're really happy with how far it's come and and where we're at with the show.
0: And what's your uh, day-to-day like for the Solid Verbal, outside of everything else you're doing, just as far as show preparation?
1: Yeah. Well, during the season, from like August, end of August through early to mid-January, Our plan is to go two shows per week. We've got college football games pretty much all day on Saturday. So what we'll do is we'll review all that action on a Sunday afternoon and post that that show on a Sunday night. Our thinking is we want people to have it for their Monday, Monday morning commute for their first day back at the office. That's when people tend to like to listen. On Wednesdays, what we typically do is put together a preview. So we'll do our best to collect all the news stories, that are in and around the world of college football and we'll put together a list of about 10 to 12 games and then give our picks against the point spread and, uh, give some level of analysis, however much we're able to provide our process in season is, is pretty crazy. And it's not aided any by It's not aided at all by the fact that Dan is very busy with his day job and I'm very busy with mine. But what I will typically do is put together that list of 10 to 12 games and, uh, usually send it to him, he'll make his notes on his end, I'll make my notes on my end. And that is a process that takes anywhere from one and a half to two days because it varies, right? There are injuries, there are all sorts of news stories that pop up. So during the season, for me, usually Mondays and Tuesdays are devoted, after I get home from my day job, to studying up, figuring out who I want to pick, and finding the storylines that I think are are most appropriate to discuss. On Saturdays it's incredibly busy because not only are we keeping track of the games and taking notes of what's transpiring on the field, we're also getting dozens if not hundreds of phone calls from people. We have a phone number 408 Verbal 1. People call in, they give us their real-time feedback to whatever it is they're seeing on their television. What we do then on the back end is we pull all of those messages down and we listen to every single one of them. And then we try to cut it up into one awesome three to four minute supercut. And so each person who calls in isn't guaranteed to have a spot in that little segment that we call the reverbs, but they are guaranteed at least to be heard because we listen to all of them. And if we can and if it fits and if it flows, we'll try to pull a few seconds from as many calls as possible. And then compress it down. So, just between taking notes, between compiling that reverb segment, Saturday and Sunday are just a complete tire fire, as we would say on our show. It's very, very busy. And then by the time we actually record around Sunday afternoon, um, we're locked in, we're good to go. We record the show, push it out there on Sunday night, and the process starts over. What is your day job? I work in IT. As, uh, as part of my day job. So I think if it weren't for that job, if it weren't for the background, uh, I probably wouldn't have the know-how that I do when it comes to running this podcast day-to-day, to helping others start podcasts up. Um, it has definitely helped me in more ways than one when it comes to actually running this thing and, and keeping it afloat.
0: And then when you guys got distribution on Grantland, yes, um, was that – Did that help move the needle? And was there ever a point where you thought you were going to quit your IT job and hopefully they're not listening to this, but (laughs) move into the sports podcasting world full time?
1: Look, it's always been kind of in the back of my mind. It hasn't progressed to that point yet where it's a realistic possibility. We've had a number of opportunities that have bubbled up just by virtue of doing the solid verbal and we haven't found anything that's really right for us at this point. That may come at some point in the future. I would certainly never rule that out. We're just not there with it quite yet. The Grantland thing was huge for us. It may have been the single biggest tipping point in the history of the Solid Verbal. It really turned a lot of new listeners onto our show, onto our content. We still have a lot of people who write in for the first time and say, hey, we found you through Grantland. Uh, you know, Thanks for doing the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, here's a question about Florida. Uh, so Grantland was huge. It definitely moved the needle. It was a bit of a weird distribution model for us because they wanted to distribute through their channel. We wanted to distribute through ours as well. So I I don't know if there's any real way for us to know just how many additional listeners we picked up from our time at Grantland, but they were great to work with. They were very generous to offer their platform to us and just can't say enough good things about being part of that network Uh, For I guess it was one season the one season that we were there.
0: And how did you guys uh, end up partnering with them?
1: They came to us because they were looking to launch the Grantland Network podcast that was right around the time when they were first getting started and uh, You know, we had this huge college football show. It was independent It was I think very much in the tone of voice that Grantland promotes and so it seemed like a natural fit at the time I, I I still feel that way so Uh, Yeah, it just it worked out. The stars were aligned. We we had the good fortune of being with with Grantland for a year and it definitely moved things in a positive direction.
0: And I'm going to actually going to call you guys from the Ole Miss Vanderbilt game. Oh, um, please do. That would be great for for reverb. Um, You may be hearing like my buddies are all from the south, mostly from Vanderbilt, and I'm not. So they will have bourbon stained voices and uh, there'll be a cacophony of sounds for the uh, reverb. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> can, can you call yourself Bourbon Stained Ryan?
0: Yes.
1: Cuz I think, you know, if if someone hears Bourbon Stained Ryan, that's got a little bit more of a hook to it uh, than just Ryan.
0: Yeah. And then if you're uh so you're working with Grantland and then you were, you they came to you cuz it was uh you guys and then the Basketball Jones yep. were also one of their early partners and then they got acquired by uh the NBA. Um yep. is that is that something that you guys look at yourself as a business cuz you're a startup? you know, self-funded, you have sponsorships, like is, is something like that? Like I actually wrote a blog post about, I called it an aqua yeah, which is such a technology term for like Facebook buying a Instagram or a company that, you know, that they shut down and keep the p- product going. But, but for you guys, like are you, would you be interested in being part of a bigger network or do you like the independence?
1: Well, I think we like the independence, but the business aspect of this is actually pretty interesting because remember how I said there really wasn't a plan? For the solid verbal when we started back in 08. i mean it Ryan. there really was no plan and we didn't make any money off this for a long time for a long time that was never the primary goal it still isn't the primary goal if i'm being honest um and once we were presented with the opportunity to start earning some ad revenue then my wheel started turning and all of a sudden all right we're getting income this is going towards the show it'd be nice to put some of this money back into the show At that point, that's when it made the most sense to form Solid Verbal Media LLC. So we did that. And from that point, then it made a little bit more sense to get a registered trademark for the Solid Verbal because we knew that the show was still very much on the rise. It wasn't going away anytime soon. We were earning money from it, and we wanted to continue. So for us to pursue a trademark on the Solid Verbal seemed like it made sense. So that so it it just made sense, right? These things made sense. They seemed logical. There wasn't any master plan behind it. And uh, so now we're at a point where we've, we've kind of got this parent organization, if you want to call it that, above the solid verbal as a podcast. And uh, we're able to take our ad revenue, put money back into the show, keep it going. And if an opportunity comes at some point where Someone wants to pick that up or pick an aspect of that up. That's something we could consider. I don't know if we're against it or if we're for it. We just haven't really been at that spot yet. Uh, But I do think we're set up for a situation like that uh, if the opportunity were to arise. Right.
0: So media companies, check these guys out. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. Well, I have a few more questions. Yeah, sure. Um, One is, uh, what type of uh, equipment do you guys record off of?
1: Oh, my gosh. That is the $64 million question. About three weeks ago, I rebooted our entire home studio setup and uh, completely redid everything on my end just because we had encountered a few issues during an interview or two, and there were some things that I picked up in post-production that just weren't, <laughs> weren't to my standards. So um, we've got a... 12-channel mixing board, a Mackie 12-channel mixing board. I talk into a Shure SM7B microphone, um, which is a, you know one of the three broadcast-quality microphones that a lot of people talk about. We bring Dan in on Skype. He's got a pretty good mic on his end. Um, I've got a telephone interface. I've actually got a number of telephone interfaces to bring in our, uh, our phone guests. I plug all that into the board on my end and record it in... Uh, Apple logic, which gives me some multi-track capabilities so that I can go in and edit an individual track or an individual guest. Um, I've got a soundboard that I plug in now, which is pretty cool for me to have that at my disposal. So the equipment changes pretty frequently.
0: You got some upgrades in there.
1: Yeah. I think I'm at a point now where if I upgrade any more, I'm going to need to build like an addition onto the house. But, um, it's definitely at a point where I feel really confident with it. If I can get all the wires worked out and get everything working the way that I think it's supposed to, we should be in pretty good shape for the long haul.
0: Do you guys do live events? I feel like you have such a rabid base, especially in like the SEC and, you know, crazy fandom conferences like that. Do you guys go out and meet your listeners?
1: We have gone to a few different uh, events. We were at South by Southwest a few years ago. We did a live podcast and uh, talked a little bit about our show. We did a few other talks here and there. One up at Boston College comes to mind. That was a lot of fun, and uh, there may be more news on the horizon. I won't. I can't say more okay. than that. Well, some I, news on the horizon. So we're
0: teasing a news on the horizon update. There, there
1: may be. There may be. Um, there may be some news on that front in the near future. I
0: think you're going to go on a college tour this fall, but I'm not going to have you commit on that either way. We're going to Europe. we okay? are going. To we're going to, do- to
1: Europe. We're going to talk. Uh, college football in Amsterdam you're going to do exactly
0: in coffee shops
1: right exactly
0: Um, European vacation are you guys um going to come to LA because we we should do an event if you come out here
1: well Dan's from LA oh he is LA yeah he's from LA originally so um I I do happy
0: hours pretty regularly
1: oh there you go okay yeah I mean Dan's from LA we were out there actually uh, a few months ago when the national championship was at the Rose Bowl oh yeah I
0: went to that that was amazing
1: did some uh did some shows from the media hotel and uh from his house in the hot tub which was weird and fun <laughs> and sort of everything in between um so yeah i won't i won't give away any more okay but I'll say that there is some news on that front that okay yeah coming in the next couple weeks
0: because you guys do such a great job interacting with reverb and you know in general like the community it's like a, i don't want to compare you to Feinbaum because oh it, please, please
1: don't compare us to Feinbaum. yeah
0: i really didn't want to i and and I say this like, in a sense that his fans, though, are so participatory and strong in their opinions. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're crazy, and I think you know, he has his own brand. But you guys do like tap into this fandom of especially college football in the South.
1: I think the main difference probably between our fan base and his, if I can tell a joke here, is that uh, our demographics say that most of our listeners have a job. And are in a high income bracket, so that may separate us from Feinbaum. He's a very talented radio host. No. Your
0: ads are selling at a higher CPM. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then, what a uh, like? What do you? What kind of uh, advice do you give to people that are starting out? Especially, like how to involve the community into the show, which you guys have done a, a very good job at.
1: Yeah, I think I think. Don't be afraid to go after. First off, any guests, and, and one of the things that we get a ton of emails all the time from people who wanna know how to set up podcasts and, and what are tips. And you know in terms of building a community, I can't emphasize enough, very rarely will you get turned down if you send an email to someone and ask them, do you wanna come on my podcast? Now it helps to have a little bit of credibility behind you. If someone can go to your website and listen to your show and understand that you put some effort in to make sure that it sounds professional and credible, that's always gonna put you in a better position. However, look, on rare occasion have we been stood up by someone that we've emailed to try and bring on the show. And this goes all the way back before we were ever a thing. It's amazing how powerful a simple email can be when you try to get a guest. And I don't think that startup podcasts should shoot for the moon with guests. I, I think, honestly, starting very small, trying to attract people that you know are viewed as like tribe leaders in their particular communities. Those are the types of people who are really going to get the word out about your show. So I would focus on those types of guests. If you want to try and build a community around what you're doing and you know, there are a lot of people who want to try and incorporate like call. I I get this all the time. People want to have like call in guests. They want to be like live radio. Don't try to be live radio, be a podcast, embrace emails, embrace Facebook messages and embrace Twitter. Embrace all those things that make podcasts technologically very different than terrestrial radio. And uh, for, uh, above all else, first and foremost, don't be afraid to do it. Just try. I mean, we've gotten messages from people who want to start up college football shows before. And I think they're surprised when one of us writes back to give them tips on how to get going. Look, we're, we're in the podcast business at this point. We're very much in the podcast business. And if there are more people out there doing it well, ultimately that benefits us. That's the rising tide that lifts all boats. So I, I would tell people who are thinking about it, do your homework. There's no easy way to get this started if you're not familiar with it. But don't be afraid to put yourself out there and see if it, see if it takes. Because if it doesn't, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. You know, Just give it a shot. See if it takes. And uh, if it's something that you find to be somewhat successful, then stick with it or turn it into something that you have more of a passion for. But by all means, don't be afraid to do it. Just, uh, just give it a shot.
0: Great advice. And uh, there's a great book, um, again, not to bore people, but The um, War of Art. It's about the guy who wrote The Legend of Vagar Bance and how he lived in a in a like a like van or at a trailer park up in uh, the great Northwest around Washington for, for years and couldn't write. And he talks about how people always create obstacles to get in the way. And it's like, okay, I want to make a garden tomorrow. Oh, I can't do it because I have my kids. And... Or I want to start a podcast, but I can't do it because my job's too crazy. And how we always put these barriers in front of ourselves to do creative endeavors. Um, so it doesn't really surprise me that you think there's a lower
1: conversion. There, there, and look, it's not easy to do. I'm still somewhat amazed that podcasting hasn't gone the way of the dinosaur. Because really, there aren't a whole lot of people who really understand how to do it well you've got your major production houses who have started to get more into podcasting and and they obviously have the equipment and the resources and the talent to do it. But in terms of like the everyday person who maybe doesn't have the tech background, it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to get off the ground. So it's, it's difficult to get started and um, before all these apps started emerging, it wasn't easy to subscribe. It was really a lot of early adopters that that we're able to download and listen and be loyal and faithful and excited about these shows. I am very surprised that it hasn't gone away just because there are several layers of complexity. But that said, now that it's here, I don't think it's going away. We see, I think it's iOS 8 is going to have the podcast app as a default app, like the mail app, like Safari. It's things now that you're not going to be able to delete. So Apple's making a commitment to this. And you know, if Apple is doubling down and making this something you can't delete, podcasting is not going away. So for people out there who who want to start or want to give it a try, uh, it, it's going to be around for a while. I think it's, an, it's still an emerging form of media. And if you're able to do the homework and, and read the fine print on how to get something up and running, it's, it's definitely worth your time if you've got a topic you're passionate about.
0: Cool. But then uh, And then now you're, you went to Penn State, is that correct?
1: Went to Penn State, yep. I, I grew up in... Eastern PA, the Lehigh Valley area of uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, about an hour or so north of Philly, and uh, ended up at uh, Penn State. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Penn Stater.
0: And uh, you stole, uh, or you—I know you're a Notre Dame fan, but your alma mater stole Vanderbilt's coach uh, James Franklin. Yes. And uh, we have some salty fans about that, but I'm actually ready to see him go. I'm happy that he's gone. You're happy yeah. that Franklin's gone? Yeah, he was always going to leave anyway, and he—he he in some ways held the fan base hostage because the media would take angles like well if the fans don't come to the game this weekend Franklin's gonna leave and it was always this thing where he felt like the fans weren't showing up yeah and it's true we were because we're a small college university in Tennessee and everyone's a Vols fan um so I I I love our new guy Mason what do you think of him
1: yeah I mean it's and it's interesting you know uh, James Franklin I, I agree with you to some extent I think there were a lot of Vanderbilt fans I know we had Vandy fans write in saying, when's this going to end? How is this going to end? If, is this going to end? And uh, so to some degree, yeah, I could see the, the hostage comment there. I do think that James Franklin did something at Vanderbilt that many other coaches had tried to do and failed miserably, and that is turn the athletic department onto football and what it could mean for the institution. Because all of a sudden, after James Franklin went there and was able to win seven, eight games a year, you could attract a guy like a Derek Mason from Stanford, whereas before I don't know if that would have been necessarily a great stop for an up-and-comer like Mason. So to bring him in from Stanford I think is, is huge. It fits in so many different ways. If he's able to build Stanford East, Stanford Central, whatever you want to call it, at Vanderbilt, that will definitely be a huge success and people are really excited about what he brings to the table. So I... It's a it's a great fit in more ways than one and um, that's a a good ending. I, I wanted to
0: actually ask one final question, not podcasting related, but around your guests. Yes. Um, so if you, who is your favorite, or who is just a a media personality, someone that you get on the show, that's a writer, blogger, TV personality, that has always uh, got a good anecdote or two.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we we have a bunch of guests at this point that we. You know, I can't, I don't know if I can pick a favorite, but um Bruce Feldman from Fox Sports Now, formerly of CBS, formerly of ESPN. Bruce Feldman was actually one of the very first guests that we had on the show, one of the very first big name reporters that we emailed, not expecting to get a to get a response back. And uh Bruce couldn't have been friendlier, didn't know who either of us was at the time. And could not have been friendlier, could not have been more willing to come on the show and answer our questions. And over time, we've developed what I think is a pretty good relationship with Bruce. And he's just a guy who is so well connected that he is able to tell great stories about coaches, about players, about what people are thinking on the inside. And uh, you know, we're just we're always able to have a lot of fun with Bruce. Um, Stuart Mandel, also of Fox Sports now, he he's another one that. We always have a good time with Andy Staples of SI.com. All these guys are really well-connected. They're very good at their craft, and they're always able to bring some element of personality to the show that that I think amplifies what Dan and I do a little bit more. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Um, our website solidverbal.com for any college football fans or just podcast fans out there that want to listen to Dan and I uh, you can check us out at SolidVerbal.com. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SolidVerbal. And you can find our handle at SolidVerbal on Twitter.
0: And we'll uh, I'll put all those links in the
1: description. Great. Thank you. Um.